you know, one way to say it maybe a, a little bit differently is, this is what I love about Jesus. Like, this is just what I love about him. What about his story? What about the stories he told? All those can become on-ramps into this truth, goodness, and beauty of Jesus. And you can make an honest, authentic connection with someone when you have that common ground that Jesus comes to mind for some reason. He can and often does. Welcome to Faith Refresh, where we take another look at the Bible passages, beliefs, and other church stuff you've probably heard a million times and find something fresh. Hey, welcome back to Faith Refresh with Chaplain Justin. My name is Anson. We are so happy to have you back with us for episode six, entitled Making Disciples. Today, we're going to be talking about evangelism, sharing the gospel, our favorite subject, <laughs> yeah. what we all love to do, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? No pressure built into that at all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You might be able to tell by the way I'm, I'm talking about this, that uh, there actually is a lot of pressure that I felt in this area yeah, in my life. Yeah, it can be life. tough. Yep. I remember a spiritual development week in my high school. Wow. I think I was a junior in high school. I went to a private Christian school and we had a guy come in and do some talks for about a week all on the subject of evangelism. Hmm. And this guy was super intense. And so the first day he shows up and he stands up in front of us all and he just starts snapping his fingers hmm. like once every second. And then he's like, did you know that one person on earth dies every, I don't know what the stat is, yeah. but something like, you know, there's a person dying every second. And do you know what their eternal fate is? Are they going to heaven or to the other place. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. Right? Wow, and that's so intense. And what are you doing about it was yeah. the question that was asked. In some ways, I think that's not a bad question to ask. Yeah. In other ways, junior high school Anson was super overwhelmed yeah, <laughs> by terrified. this thought of like, oh my goodness. It's up to you. Literally every second yeah. of every day, even while I'm sleeping, people are slipping away mm -hmm. into the eternal fires of torment. Mm -hmm. And I bear some responsibility for that wow. because yeah. I'm not doing enough to keep them out. That's a lot of pressure. It's yeah. <laughs> a lot of pressure. You're probably not alone in that. I think at the very least, there's some cringe that goes on with this topic. Like, Ugh. at the very least, it makes us uncomfortable a lot right. of times. Well, yeah. And I think all of us can probably recognize other people maybe who don't do this the right way, at least as far as we mm -hmm. think. There's all of the tracks. I think mm -hmm. I introduced you to the uh, $100 bill tract, the one <laughs> yeah, that looks that like money, and you're supposed to leave it that. like in grocery stores or things. Then it has a gospel presentation on the mm -hmm. other side. I mean, okay, maybe those are the egregious examples. Mm -hmm. um, but even for those of us who are like, okay, I, I understand truth in love. I need a balance of those things. But how practically do I share the gospel with people? I mean, it still feels like there's some sort of barrier there. And I, I think probably a lot of the barrier there to me is... I don't think people are going to like this. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, rejection. Yeah. Yeah. It's one thing if I'm like actually handing out hundred dollar bills, mm -hmm. right? Like that's not scary to go up to someone and be like, Hey, do you want a free hundred dollars? Because you know, they're going to go like, that's amazing. You're awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Who is going to respond to that negatively? Mm -hmm. But if you're going up to people and trying to pitch them on a thing that you feel like there's decent odds that they're not going to appreciate what you're pitching them. Yeah. All of a sudden that gets a whole lot more intimidating. 
And that is kind of the cultural climate in which we live, is it not? Proselytizing is not particularly welcome. Yeah, and some places even around the world, it's illegal. Right, (laughs) You know, one thing that might be good to say is that Scripture does, for someone who's a Christian, clearly command making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey Jesus, what you've received, give to other people, um, teach other people, those kinds of things in different passages like Matthew 28 or Acts 1-8 or 2 Timothy 2-2, there are others. So there is, okay, we've got it. We're, we're supposed to do this. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I guess we should start there of like, what's the scriptural command? Like, yeah. But it's pretty clear. Yes. And I think that's probably not the hang up for most of no, us. Like it's we, like, we now understand what? <laughs> what we're supposed to do, Yeah, but how do we do it? Yeah. How do we motivate ourselves to do it? And if we really hate doing it, yeah. what do we do with that? Because right. I think there's a lot of potential shame and guilt that kind of comes along with that of like, man, if this is like the reason I'm here and I want to do everything but that, mm-hmm. how do I live with that? It's complicated by, I think one of the cardinal sins of our modern culture is essentially do not push your beliefs mm-hmm. on someone else. Yeah. So you have lots of different things. Jesus commanded this, mm-hmm. right? So that's super important. We've seen so many different examples that kind of make us uncomfortable and sometimes downright terrify us. Yeah. We don't know if we're going to do it good enough. Do I have the training? Do I have yes. the knowledge? And then someone I'm talking to is going to reject me or worse. Plus, I'm going into this with this shared cultural assumption that to do this is like the one thing that you're not supposed to do. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I've, it's complicated. I've even heard people talk about this in the context of parents and children. Hmm. I remember wow. seeing a tweet from someone saying, I'm so disgusted by the idea that people would force religion on their kids, mm-hmm. right? Because your kids don't have a choice in the matter. They just listen to what you say and you're stuffing this myth down their throat Mm -hmm. and you're indoctrinating your kids with this idea. And that's wrong. Like Mm -hmm. that is morally objectionable. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, man, that's kind of wild to me Mm -hmm. that that's the view because it's like, how do you not do that? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, and that seems to be a little bit of the rub here is like, okay, I I get, we have this unspoken or in some cases, very, very loudly spoken cultural agreement that we're going to let each other be with our own beliefs and not Mm -hmm, force it on mm -hmm. each other. And yet look at that parent child relationship. How do I raise a child without imparting something to (laughs) them? Right? Like, I mean, I I think it's literally impossible for me to be a completely blank slate to my child. And I think to maybe a slightly lesser extent, you could argue the same thing for other family members, for acquaintances, for Mm -hmm. friends, as we rub shoulders with other people in our world, we're going to rub off on each other right. at least a yeah. little bit, right? Well, I have another personal example. I was in a counseling training. There's a group of people, and we're kind of split up into smaller groups. And a few people in my group, for one reason or another, made it pretty clear that they were not Christians and kind of anti-religious, okay. you know? yeah. But we're talking about trauma and resilience. And so as we went around and shared our thoughts or stories about that, I couldn't help but bring Jesus into it because (laughs) how central uh, he's been in my own story and journey. But as I was sharing, I did give like a qualification of just, I understand, you know, the differences here. And, you know, I apologize if it made anyone uncomfortable. And the response was by one person in particular that it's okay because it's authentic to you, Mm -hmm. which I was encouraged. It seemed genuine, not forced, right? right? He said, what's not okay is 
if you are pushing your beliefs on me. And the irony in that statement is she (laughs) was pushing her beliefs on me that I should not push my beliefs. Right. The irony is, really, when we talk about worldviews, every worldview is exclusive. Mm. <laughs> we might think it's inclusive, yeah. but there is a line somewhere. And you could go worldview by worldview and find the lines that are drawn. And here, in this, quote, inclusive kind of worldview, I'm not allowed to do certain things. Mm. That is being pushed onto me, right. the Christian, <laughs> that is supposed to be the one that's out of bounds in, in some of those ways. That is a legitimate challenge as we interact with different people. But there's also a kind of strength to realize um, every worldview has its lines. Right. And there it is. So what could it look like for us to be open about those things, make those things a matter of discussion rather than you don't push your beliefs on me, I don't push my beliefs on you, we're kind of separate in these different corners when there's actually an opportunity for conversation and relationship there. Yeah. And I think if we could just have some honest conversations with one another about human behavior and and the way that we all act all of the time, I, I think the idea of never forcing your beliefs on another person or never judging another person mm-hmm. begins to fall apart relatively quickly. Yeah, it's uh, impossible, really. Yeah, I, I yeah. was having a conversation at church on Sunday with someone, and we were talking about this idea of judging people and how that's presented in a very negative way. We shouldn't judge people, right? There's some truth to that. And sometimes we get a little too judgy, both Christians and yes, non-Christians yeah. probably need to back off of the judging just a little bit. At the same time, if you were instinctively to respond to the idea of judgment negatively mm-hmm. and say, yeah, judging other people is wrong... It takes about all of two seconds to start thinking of exceptions to that right. rule, yes. right? I mean, like, do we judge people who commit genocide? Do we judge yes. Adolf Hitler? That's an extreme example, mm-hmm. right? But there are a lot of less extreme examples that we could point out, too. Of yes. Like, yeah. what about people who commit acts of sexual immorality involving children? Mm-hmm. Or like, I mean, mm-hmm. we judge those things extremely harshly, yes. and we should judge those mm-hmm. things harshly. And most people, except for maybe the people doing those things, mm-hmm. agree with that. But to your point... We're still excluding somebody, yes, right? Yes, we are judging. We're making <laughs> judgments. The question becomes both with you know those kinds of things that's kind of rolled up into worldviews. Mm-hmm. I would say is what worldview for each person is kind of the most truthful, good, beautiful. Those are ancient categories of wisdom. It's a not a bad measure of a worldview. Mm. There's a lot, of course, that we could talk about in that. Yeah. But just for me personally... I find Christianity, just on this topic, the most inclusive, exclusive worldview. (laughs) Inclusive, exclusive (laughs) worldview. Okay. Because all can be saved through Jesus. Mm. I'm I'm envisioning a funnel. Funnel. I like the door. So you picture a house. This is God's house. There's one door. Okay. And it's wide open for Mm. all who will come through it. We might dig into that more, but for me, that's really compelling. Mm. And I don't find another worldview that can say that in the same way. I'm just curious for you personally, when it comes to those three categories, Mm -hmm. is there one that you find particularly compelling in Mm, terms of this is why I have to share what I believe. This is Mm -hmm. why I almost like can't help but to talk about my worldview. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I think there's a sense that 
each one of us needs to settle into that probably personally yeah. in some ways before we share it. So just like you're asking me, you know, each person listening, considering this, it would be good to say, okay, is Christianity my worldview? When I consider truth, goodness, and beauty, how is it really at home in me? Mm-hmm. Because at that point, we want to share it. Right. For me, I tend to think in these categories, say when I'm trying to share my faith with someone, there are people, they're actually fairly rare when it comes down to it, that have intellectual questions when mm-hmm. it comes to Christianity. And yeah. so I think about truth yeah. through that. There are people that think about ethical and moral issues, issues of justice. I think about the goodness of Christianity. And then beauty, what is praiseworthy, valuable, mm. precious? Left to myself, I probably lean toward the beauty aspect. Okay. Yeah. Um, I find Jesus, who he is, and his ways as beautiful. Um, but that really encompasses probably the other two yeah. in it. Yeah. So one thing I was kind of curious about as a follow-up to that, I think I would be a truthfulness, by the way. Yeah, um, I can see it. <laughs> is in your experience, whether you've either personally experienced this or just you've seen examples of it, are there times where we can get kind of so focused on our preferred area mm. to the detriment of the others mm-hmm. that that could potentially be one of the ways that our ability to witness to others is harmed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they would all be areas to grow into when we think about our Christian faith and for it to grow and mature in different ways. Part of it in terms of, of truth is it's a kind of a foundational basic question, but true and false. That's really serious business Yeah, <laughs> when you get into your worldview. How would you know if something w- were true? And how do we see that in uh, the Christian faith, in the personal work of Jesus? At the same time, someone could err on that side. I'm not naming any names. (laughs) You just said you're the truth guy. Yeah. But you can see true and false as so coolly logical and cutting that it kind of takes the human element out of it, the human Mm -hmm. heart, and might not even consider the ramifications or potentially harm of truth in a certain context. And that's where goodness comes in. And those things can be put together. Right. But if it's true and it's good, but it's not moving. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so that's where beauty comes in. It it moves us. And yet uh, beauty without truth can be very murky, kind of get lost in subjectivity. Not that there's anything wrong inherently with subjectivity, but we do need objective railings and guides Mm -hmm. through that process. Yeah. It just, uh, that's something that kind of occurred to me just as we were talking about it, that I probably have a predisposition when it comes to these categories. It's probably good to understand it as a strength, but also to kind of fortress myself in those areas, maybe where I'm not as predisposed Mm -hmm. and make sure I'm not getting off track kind of just in one area. Because as I think about it and reflect on it, I can think of examples I've seen of evangelistic strategies or things that Mm. probably err towards one of these categories to the detriment of the others, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to lay out the truth for you on this tract 
and it's brutally honest, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, but maybe it's not touching as much on these other categories. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. When we think about making disciples, I think uh, C.S. Lewis, I think it was in his reflections on the Psalms, he was actually bothered by God commanding that he would be praised over and over again. Mm. <laughs> and if you think about it, it's like, oh yeah, why does he do that? And, stuck and, up God? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Lewis was like, is he insecure? Right. Is he the ultimate narcissist? Mm. You know, on a grand divine scale, you yeah. know? But then he noticed something very ordinary and something very beautiful. So here I'm getting into <laughs> that beauty framework, but we cannot help but praise things that are worthy or valuable. Mm. So very ordinary things like, oh, look at that sunset. Yes. And we tell that to each other, like, look at it. Right. That's a command. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> uh, look at the sunset. Taste this ice cream. Yeah. It's awesome. Come with me to this place. You'll never believe the, I don't know, brisket or something. Yeah. <laughs> we can't help but do that. And I would say when we think of truth, goodness, and beauty when it comes to God, is the opportunity is to say, wow, mm. in each one of those areas And um, as we have opportunity to share that with others, isn't this true? Isn't this good? Isn't this beautiful? And I can't tell you how many people, even seemingly vehemently opposed to me in some ways, at least initially, say, wow, and it's wow, usually. I've never heard that before. Mm. You know, I never heard that story about Jesus before. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that Christians were out of bounds based on this scripture. You know, and it keeps the conversation going. And a lot of times it's that praising what is praiseworthy. Yeah. And again, I think that's something that comes very naturally to all of us, Mm -hmm. Christians and non-Christians alike, right? Like we praise things that are praiseworthy. Mm -hmm. If you think about the things that you love, the hobbies you spend your time on, the people that you enjoy being around, we speak about those things positively, Mm -hmm. right? I think there's a certain amount of... um, comfort that I take in the approachability Mm -hmm. of that method of sharing. It's one thing if you and I are on a walk outside for me to say, look at that sunset versus for me to go door to door in my neighborhood, (laughs) knocking on the doors (laughs) and then saying, come outside, look at the sunset, (laughs) right? Like (laughs) there's a, there's a inauthentic something about that, that, that I think we get hung up on Mm -hmm. of like, you know, evangelism, it needs to be about, you know, there's people who are missionaries that go to other countries and Mm -hmm. share and people who go door to door or stand on a, you know, a corner with a street sign or like, there's all of these methods Mm -hmm. that we think about when it comes to evangelism. But I think the thing that so many of us, at least in our generation, probably struggle with is just, they feel so forced, Mm -hmm. right? But how often do I knock on people's doors to share with them about the hobbies I love? Rarely, Mm -hmm. but every once in a while, maybe I do end up in a random conversation with a stranger Mm -hmm. in a waiting room or who knows where, and we strike up a conversation about something. You know, one way to say it maybe a little bit differently is, this is what I love about Jesus. Mm. Like, this is just what I love about him. That's either true or it's not for me personally. Like, it becomes a personal check. Like, what are the things I love about Jesus? And uh, what about his story? What about the stories he told? All those can become on-ramps into this truth, goodness, and beauty of Jesus. And you can make an honest, authentic connection with someone when you have that common ground that Jesus comes to mind for some reason. He can and often does. So it does a couple things. One, you're really not uh, forcing your beliefs on someone. 
you're sharing something that is not hypocritical, but authentic to you and your story. So I think in terms of making disciples in kind of our modern time, that's something to consider. You know, like the guy in your training back in the day probably had some kind of strategy, mm-hmm. right? There's yep. lots of church strategies about evangelism. There could be something helpful in that. But what about just what do you love about Jesus and, and say that to people as it comes up? It could be someone you've never met before, but I have long-term friends that are not yet believers in Jesus. This comes up from time to time, and we have meaningful, fairly in-depth conversations and connections about this. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever had an encounter with someone who was just outright hostile to your beliefs? Mm -hmm. And if so, how did you handle that? Where's the line between respecting their their autonomy and and their desire for what they want out of a relationship with you or don't Mm -hmm. want and our edict to share the gospel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say the most extreme examples happen overseas. Being maybe chased out of town is too strong (laughs) of a phrase, but it was close to that. I'm reminded of what Jesus, see, I just did it, reminded of what Jesus (laughs) uh, said to his disciples as he sent them out. If they reject you, then dust off the dirt from your feet and move. Yeah. Keep on moving. Yeah. And that's sad. But like you said, to respect the people, honor them that they have the right to say yes or no, Mm -hmm. even if it's a whole town coming (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. One different example that still left the door open was uh, I had a conversation, still my friend to this day, but just about Jesus. And he, he found out that I was a pastor and uh, that just set him off. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> and sometimes that happens where like you can offend someone just by, by just kind yes, of existing, right? Yes. And yeah. that's how I felt. Yeah. It's not my first time, but <laughs> what I am listening to is what's the heart behind this? What's going on? You know, I don't have to take this personally, but basically what it came down to is I don't care what you have to say until I see it in the streets. Mm. And I'm like, point well taken. I want to see it lived out. Yes. And it's just like, yeah, we can do that. Fair, and so yeah. we started hanging out and found out different places he would serve in the community. I would serve with him. We served on a board of a community organization together, and this is kind of years in development. And we get to live it out in the streets and talk about it as we serve. So that's the goodness piece, right? He was drawn to the ethic of loving your neighbor. I could do that with him, and we'll see where the conversation goes. He's a lot more hospitable and open <laughs> today mm. than he was several years ago. Yeah. But initially, it, it was very hostile. And actually, I could say pretty offensive in a lot of ways. Like, if the tables would have been turned and I was doing that as a Christian and demeaning him and his beliefs and things like that, it would have been out of bounds, you know? Yeah. But for some of us, and for me at that time, I said, okay, well, here's the opportunity. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's see where we can go from here. There's a very important caveat that I want to just spend a moment on. I think that there can be a danger when it comes to the idea of conversion Yes, of any time that we start to assign ourselves a relatively important role in that process. Mm -hmm. There's a danger of potentially losing sight Mm -hmm. of what's really going on, right? we can lose sight of who's actually doing the converting, Mm -hmm. right? It's not us that changes people's hearts. Mm -hmm. Scripture's clear about Mm -hmm. that. But then also, are we trying to create disciples or in other words, help people 
to grow into the image of God? Or are we leading them into growing into an image of ourselves Mm -hmm. and who we want other people to be? Because sometimes, crucially, there's a pretty big difference. Yeah, I think this might be a strange starting point, but just bear with me. Okay. So evangelism, you have certain strategies. Someone who really attaches to a certain strategy can say, you have to do it this way. When there's lots of ways to share your faith in Jesus right. that Jesus would be pumped about, <laughs> you know, he'd be really excited about. You could take that a broader scale, say Western Christianity going into an uh, Eastern nation can fall into the trap of saying this Eastern nation, their Christianity has to look like Western Christianity. Mm-hmm rather than what could the person and work of Jesus look like among this people? Yeah. I mean, you could say that for individuals. Right. What what does it look like for this person to embrace the person and work of Jesus? Mm-hmm. You can do that for communities, you know, neighborhoods, as well as nations, people yeah. groups. Yeah. Making disciples, biblically, is not meant to erase cultures mm. or diversity or distinctions yeah. in that way. Yeah. Rather, Revelation says that all people, tribe, nation, and tongue will be around the throne of God. There will be a beauty in the diversity that's there that's centered on the person and work of Jesus. That has not been done well historically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There Mm -hmm. are lots of examples Mm -hmm. of the opposite of what we just said. And yet again, Scripture would say, no, there is a beautiful diversity in how different peoples, different individuals can truly embrace and follow Jesus. It kind of comes back to that door in the house metaphor. Absolutely. Who all is welcome through the door? Mm -hmm. Do we really mean everyone Mm -hmm. when we say everyone? Or do we sometimes mean you need to conform to these Mm -hmm. ideals or these standards or this way of doing things and then you can come in the door. And that's probably where we have to check ourselves is if we start putting stipulations on Mm -hmm. who can walk through the door, we're probably a little bit out of line. Okay. Let me land the plane with you here. Okay. What if the person listening to this podcast said, okay, I'm with you guys on what you've said so far. Just one question what do I do? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Because there's people like you and me, Justin, who love to sit in a radio studio and chat about stuff like this for 20 or 30 Mm -hmm. minutes. There's others of us who really like to go do stuff. Mm -hmm. So for those people and for the people like you and me, who, even if we don't want to do it, we we still still got to get out of this room and go do do it. it, Right. I'm not asking for what is the strategy, what is the killer method, lay out the Romans. Mm -hmm. There's lots of tools out there. There's lots of strategies. Mm -hmm. But if you were to leave us with just a practical idea Mm -hmm. or two, and you kind of already gave us one, to be fair, on talk about Jesus. What you love about Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, totally. But if if you were going to just leave us with a a practical idea or two, Mm -hmm. what would be at the top of your list? Prayer would be the first step. And Mm -hmm. prayer in a few different ways. One would be to ask God for a name or two period. Write it down and then start praying for that person or a couple of people and pray for ideas, for inspiration from God about what it might look like to love them Mm. like Jesus. Asking for discernment 
when it comes to those opportunities that come up to share, you know, yeah. maybe the thought could be something as simple as, well, this is what I love about Jesus, how he speaks to this issue of anxiety, for mm, instance, mm. you know, and Jesus does speak to that, a very common issue. That would be a really benevolent, a good way to share Jesus in a way that serves them mm. rather than tries to close a deal or anything like that, you yeah. know. With that, know that it's God that saves. It can't be overstated how important that is. And many have gotten the message, maybe not even explicitly sometimes, but implicitly with how different uh, trainings feel or whatever, that it is up to you. Right. It's not up to us. God alone saves he saves despite our best efforts, right? <laughs> right? Right. When we're knocking it out of the park, he can save in a totally different way apart from that conversation yeah. where we use our favorite strategy or whatever. The other part of the good news is he can save whenever we fumble through our worst effort mm-hmm. <laughs> at trying to share what I love about Jesus. Yeah. God could still save, and right. He does it all the time. Yeah. When it comes down to it, to really trust Him and His salvation, it's His. It's His to give, and He gives it very generously. We can invite everyone to embrace Jesus. There's a lot of ways to do that. If it comes from us, and especially from our stories, I think that we don't have to fear that worldview of pushing beliefs. Mm. No, I'm just sharing who I am. And it's something that I think would be beneficial for anyone, eternally beneficial as it turns out. It's not that conversation that's going to save. It's a work of God. Thanks for listening to Faith Refresh. You can find more Real FM pods and tons of other cool stuff on the Real FM app and at real.fm. Faith Refresh is hosted by Justin Rusinowski, and I'm Anson Beyer. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on your platform of choice. It will help others to discover the podcast and listen for themselves. Faith Refresh is a part of the Real FM Podcast Network, a ministry of John Brown University.